Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the BHITB podcast. This is your host, Dante Fortson. Today, we're going to be trying, I'm going to try to finish up the law keeping teaching. Uh, the, uh, this is going to be part three in the series. So, I'm going to try to finish that up today. And before we get started, a couple of announcements. For those of you who have been hitting me up on Facebook, I'm not ignoring you. I'm on a 30 day Facebook ban. Uh, <laughs> Basically, uh, Facebook said that uh, it was hate speech for me to say that Europeans uh, did not build America, and I said that they lied about building America, and they said that was hate speech. I thought it was historical accuracy, but, you know, they've been targeting a lot of black people uh, for saying correct stuff, historically accurate stuff. Um, They've shut down a few of the black groups. Uh, so it seems Facebook is targeting people of color because I've seen people who are not black say a lot worse things and say things that are outright racist and nothing happens. They're still allowed to use Facebook freely, but I say Europeans didn't build America and I get banned. But enough of that. Uh, I think the ban is over in 12, 13 days. No big deal. I've gotten a lot of work done on the website, as many of you have seen. Uh, if you're not a patron yet, uh, make sure you go to Patreon. And it's only a buck. You get a whole bunch of free extras, and you get access to every single part of the BlackHistoryInTheBible.com website. There's a lot of good food for thought posts and uh, coming soon posts, so check those out. And then for those of you who aren't ready to become patrons, if you uh, join the mailing list, go to any of the um, boxes and subscribe, you'll get a free book, Pre-Slavery Christianity, is sent in as a PDF. Just click the confirmation link in the email to make sure you get the emails. All right, so let's go ahead and pick up from where we left off yesterday um, in part two. So yesterday in part two, toward the end, I was talking about the similarity between what happened in Acts chapter 15 and the uh, black Hebrew Israelite camps. And I do want to go back to chapter 13, actually, and talk about an incident that happened there that seems to mirror exactly what the camps do now. So we'll start from there, and then we'll go ahead and continue to study. So this is going to come from Acts chapter 13, verses 42 through 46. And as always, the notes will be in the, um, all the verses and chapters will be in the notes at the end of the show. You can find them on the Black History and the Bible website. This is episode 14, if you uh, have to look for it. And I'll go ahead and get started now. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them on the next Sabbath. Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came, almost the whole city together, to hear the word of God. Now, I want to stop right there. Now, I'm not going to get off into the Gentiles um, versus Jews argument just yet. But notice here that the Jews were in the synagogue and the Gentiles wanted to hear this preached. Now, if you follow camp doctrine, the camp doctrine teaches you that these these Gentiles are really scattered Hebrews that didn't know who they were, right? And yet we see them together here. Now, let's just use some common sense. We, as scattered Hebrews, understand that when we see somebody from Jamaica who looks like us, we understand that we have some kind of relative relation here, right? Now, this whole event is taking place in Europe. So they're in Europe. The scattered guys, the scattered Hebrews, are next to the guys that know they're Hebrews, and they didn't connect the dots and put two and two together. According to the Hebrew Israelites, this is where a lot of camp doctrine starts to fall apart and you really start looking at who's who, and then questions start to arise. In my opinion, they would understand that 
these people look like us, we're probably part of these people right here. They're not separating Jews and Gentiles as uh, two groups of, you know, Jews, one group scattered, one group not scattered. It's, the Gentiles are a different group of people. I'll put it that way. But anyway, we'll continue so I don't get off sidetrack with that. All right, so they came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Now, these Jews, these uh, more than likely Pharisees, they started preaching a different message than Paul and Barnabas. Like I said, contradicting and blaspheming. Now, I pointed out several times, uh, such as their doctrine on Esau, how that's contradictory to what the Bible says. And I've also pointed out yesterday in episode two, you go back and uh, look at that. I pointed out in one circumstance that some of their doctrine leads to blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So we're start, we see a similarity here between what the Hebrew Israelite camps are doing when we see them on the streets and what was going on in the book of Acts. So then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn unto the Gentiles. So now remember, Christ came for the lost sheep, the scattered sheep, the lost sheep, and he said that a good shepherd would go look for the sheep. He would leave the 99 and go look for the one, right? Now, according to the Hebrew Israelites, these, Paul was preaching to scattered Hebrews. Here's what does not make sense. Christ told them not to go preach to the Gentiles at first, right? So according to the Israelites, Christ stayed with the 99, the, the, the group that knew who they were, and forsook all the scattered Hebrews and didn't want them to get the gospel. But now because the 99 or the group of Hebrews that were still together knew who they were, rejected Christ, according to the black Hebrew Israelites, now suddenly Christ gives permission to go teach the scattered. So what they're not telling you is basically what they're teaching is that because those Hebrews fell victim to slavery or whatever other circumstances led to them being scattered, losing their identity, that Christ was just like, oh, no, you don't get any salvation. They weren't going to get any salvation because they were victims of slavery. And does that sound like Christ to you? Does that sound reasonable to you? No, it does not. And they have to do that because they, they want to teach a doctrine of hate that says only, only salvation for Israel. And when you really start to tear it down, it doesn't make sense. So he says, for so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. All right, and I'm going to stop right there. And again, that's Acts chapter 13, verses 42 to 46. So let's talk about the new covenant. Um, we approach the coming of the new covenant. This is what Paul and Barnabas were preaching, uh, the new covenant. And then here come the... Um, the Pharisees, the, the black Hebrew Israelites in our time, coming and preaching the law, contradicting and blaspheming what they were preaching, which was uh, grace and Christ and life everlasting. So this new covenant, some of the camps teach that we're not under. Uh, if we look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, it says this, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things that, than that of Abel. So, in order to be a mediator of a new covenant, you have to have a new covenant. So we are indeed under a new covenant, and we can go through the Bible and look at that. Uh, but we'll let's let's start with the fulfilling of the law. And this one gets twisted all the time by the camps. They say that you know Christ didn't come to 
um, destroy the law, but to fulfill the law, which is true. He says he came to fulfill the law. But what is the fulfilling of the law? And Christ summarizes for us. This is, this is um, found in Leviticus. It starts in Leviticus, just to give you the background of where Christ is going to pull this from. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18 says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Right? So love thy neighbor as thyself. So in Matthew, when Christ is confronted with questions about the law, uh, Matthew 22, verse 35 through 40, it says, then one of them, which was a lawyer, so a lawyer, a person who practices law, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Those two commandments. And that remains consistent throughout the New Testament. Love God and love your neighbor. And if you go back to the Esau um, podcast that I did, the Esau episode, I pointed out that the black Hebrews like camp teaching on hatred for Esau is the one teaching that will basically get people to lose salvation because of the connection to first uh, John four twenty, which says, if you don't love your brother, you don't love God period. And Christ said the first, the greatest commandment is to love God. Right? So you have that contradicting that they were preaching and they're contradicting out there on those corners, preaching people straight to hell. Uh, you find the same concept in Mark twelve thirty one, Luke ten seventeen, Romans 13, 9, in Galatians 5.14, same concept, love your neighbors yourself. And this is going to bring us to James 2. Now, James 2 is important because uh, many people claim that James, or some of the camps claim that James was teaching law-keeping, predicted Paul, but that's not true, because if you go back to Acts 15, you'll see that James was one of the people uh, present when the Holy Spirit confirmed that we no longer need to teach the law. When that whole event happened, when the Pharisees came, or modern-day black Hebrew Israelites came and said, we have to keep the laws of Moses, and the Holy Spirit and James and Paul and Peter said, no, that's not what we have to do. So here in James, where James writes his letter, um, we'll see that James is not talking about law-keeping. Uh, we'll start at verse 8. It says, if ye fulfill the royal law according to Scripture... Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. And now he's going to give an example. It says, but if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. And that word convinced is um, what we would call convicted. You're convicted of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Now remember that. The Hebrew Israelites on the corners teaching hatred for Esau, right? The Bible says, thou shalt not abhor an Edomite. And in, in Leviticus, it says, thou shalt not hate thy brother. They're, they're teaching people to transgress two laws, right? So it says, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So they're, they're not even keeping the law. They're guilty of breaking the law constantly. Just their hatred for Esau alone puts them in a perpetual state of breaking the law. So for he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. 
So speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. Who doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? So this is where we get into the faith versus works argument. If a, now, look at the example that James gives here. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give him Give them not those things which are needful to the body. What does it profit? He's saying, let your work show or let that neighborly love show. If you see your neighbor, your brother, they don't have it and you have it to give to them. Telling them, to, you know, you have faith and go in peace. That is not loving your neighbor as yourself. You stop to help your neighbor if you can help your neighbor. It says, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you, show thee my faith by my works. So James is giving the example of loving your neighbor as yourself, uh, doing kind acts or doing the right thing, not necessarily um, going in and trying to figure out every single aspect of the law to keep the law. That's that's not what James was talking about at all. And again, you can verify this if you go back to Acts 15 and look at the entire discussion that takes place, takes place in which James is a part of. So let's talk about the, the loving your neighbor. So the, the camps, they teach that it's okay to break two commandments of the law, as I pointed out, abhorring an Edomite and hating your brother. They teach that. And to me, it's no coincidence that those camps, the, the doctrine they teach about the Edomites, is the doctrine that says if you hate your brother, you don't love God, and if you don't love God, you're not following the commandments of Christ. And he said if you love him, you'll do it. And so it's the it's that set of commandments that can basically lead to damnation. And I believe that the way the camps are set up is not on accident. The serpent was more subtle than any creature, and people are attracted to the camps because they teach a black Christ, they teach black Hebrews, and we figure we are awakened and we found the right path. As broad is the way to lead to destruction, narrow is the way to leave the life everlasting and few there be that find it. So you just have to watch for the deceptions. You have to break down the doctrine. And again, it doesn't matter how much you like the camps. It doesn't matter how much you like the people in the camps. Some of them may not be deceiving people on purpose, but the fact is there's deception going on, whether they're doing it on purpose or not. And let's, let's continue down here. So they teach all this law keeping stuff, right? And yet Christ said all the law hangs on, these two things, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And here's why. So the first two commandments are what God has sent into slavery. I covered that in part one. Uh, love God and don't have any graven images. Don't worship any graven images. So those two right there were what God has sent into slavery because our ancestors kept worshiping other gods, right? So if you cover the first one of Christ, love God, then you don't have to, you won't be worshiping idols and you won't be engaging in idolatry and false god worship. You also won't be hating your brother Edom. You won't be hating the Edomites because it says if you hate your brother, you don't love God. So if you love God, that means you got to love your brother, which means if Edom is your brother, then you have to be out there preaching love for your brother and not hate for your brother, period. You have to be out there informing your brother that, uh, according to Deuteronomy, that they can enter into the congregation in the third generation, which it's been more than three generations. So they're fine. And anybody that says that they cannot enter into the congregation is lying, period, because the Bible says they can. So 
that covers, if you love God, that covers a whole lot of stuff. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't go commit adultery with their husband or wife. You won't go stealing from your neighbor. You won't go murder your neighbor. You're not going to bear false witness against your neighbor. The whole list of stuff in the Bible that concerns the treatment of other people, you won't go do that if you love your neighbor as yourself. So you don't have to worry about the law because the law will be within you. Uh, we call it a moral compass in, in our modern times. That moral compass will keep you from breaking all those laws. Like when I walk outside, I don't have to try not to murder people. Like that's not something that crosses my mind. That may cross other people's mind. I don't know. But I don't have to worry about that. And I also don't have to worry about whether or not I'm going to accidentally end up in a mosque uh, kneeling to Allah at the end of the day. It's just not something I worry about. And so even though those of us who believe in Christ do not teach law-keeping, it doesn't mean to go be lawless. So, and, and Paul covers that quite well throughout his uh, books. But the law, we're not under it anymore. We're under grace. And as long as you love God and treat people decent, treat people like you want to be treated, uh, love your neighbors yourself, you'll be fine. So let's move on. So the death of Christ fulfilled the law. And this is this is another part they use to try to say they were still under the law because it says Christ did not come to destroy the law but to fulfill it. Um, if you go back to yesterday's uh, show, Christ himself said that the law and the prophets were up until John. That means that they were done after John, the law and the prophets. But here's, here's where Christ fulfilled the law. It says, this is my commandment. This comes from John 15 verses 12 through 15. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Now, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servants knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Right? Now, it says, ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. So, are the Hebrews the Israelites out there, the camps? Do they love God? And again, I answered that question for you. If they hate Edom, First John 4.20 says, if they hate their brother and say they love God, they're a liar, period. So Jesus said, you're my friends if you do whatever I command you, right? They're not friends of Christ because they're not doing that. Are they loving their neighbor as their self? No, they're not loving their neighbor as their self because they're out there in those corners and they're preaching hatred for people. They're telling all white men that they're Esau and that they're going to hell, and they're telling some other uh, non, I'll say non-Negroes that they're going to hell. Uh, those that believe in the 12 tribes charts are generally more cordial to the people listed on those charts. Uh, those that don't, a lot of them tend to be vicious towards other people. And then I've seen a lot of camps that are very respectful, so I'm not going to throw all camps under the, um, the hatred part, but a lot of camps have been very respectful in talking to other people without yelling over them and stuff like that. So look at the fruit of the camp before you start following their doctrine. Just look at what, look at what it is. And I personally, I would just avoid the camps altogether. Now Romans five, six through eight is going to uh, tie this up too about the death of Christ. So Christ says, great in love has no man in the die for his friends. Right. And he called everybody his friend. He says, you're my friend. If you do what I command you to do. Right. He says, for when we were yet without strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. 
Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commanded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Christ fulfilled it. He said, greater love has no man than this. So the greatest love was for him to die for his friends. And those of us who do his will or his, follow his commandments are his friends. So he made that ultimate sacrifice. And he fulfilled the law. He loved his neighbor as himself. He died for us. So Christ fulfilled that law. And we'll, we'll look at um, another example that Christ gave about the Good Samaritan, right? The Good Samaritan, people, some people think that a Samaritan is just a good person, but it's not. This is found in Luke 10, right? I'm going to paraphrase this. So in Luke 10, uh, the Good Samaritan, he, he's a Samaritan man. Excuse me. He's a Samaritan man. And the Samaritans and Jews did not have contact openly. And the, Samarit- or the, the Jew, he was hurt, and his Jewish brothers walked by him. They left him there on the ground. They were not loving the neighbors themselves. They just left him there to die. But the Samaritan man, who was not a Jew, came by, saw him, helped him, paid his bills, told the doctor to do whatever he could, and he would come back and make everything whole, right? And so Christ points out that the Samaritan man was acting more like a neighbor than um, – than the Hebrews, his fellow Hebrews were, right? So that would bring us to Romans 2 because Romans 2 is going to uh, touch on this. It says, for when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their consciousness also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. And so if you go through and read Romans 2, Paul breaks that down, and then at the end, he, uh, Romans 2.28 says, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. And um, Paul is also going to echo this as well when he goes into the um, his speech or his writings about being grafted in or grafted into the body uh, in Romans 11. And a lot of the camps miss this because they teach the false teaching that Gentiles are scattered Hebrews when they are not. Uh, So they miss the point about being grafted in because the scattered Hebrews are still Hebrews. They're still part of the original branches. They didn't suddenly not become Hebrews. You can call yourself whatever you want to. I could start calling myself Caucasian today. Does not make me a Caucasian. Even if everybody else calls me Caucasian, it does not make me a Caucasian. And I will give you the perfect example. The entire world calls the Ashkenazi Jews Hebrews. They believe those are the people of the book. The Ashkenazi claim to be Hebrews. Now, are they Hebrews? No, they're not. They are still European. They can call themselves whatever you want. But if we go by camp teaching, we have to stay consistent. So by camp teaching, because these scattered Hebrews started to call themselves Gentiles, they became known as Hellenistic Gentiles, right? This was the can't teach. So by just by calling yourself something, you can become that. So now we have to use that same logic and say, okay, well, these Ashkenazi over here have been calling themselves Hebrews so long, and the rest of the world calls them Hebrews, so now they're the Hebrews. It doesn't make sense when you start applying it to other people, and yet they apply it um, the way they do because they want to continue their false doctrine of teaching that only Israel can be saved. So... Let's talk about real quick the camp deception, which this has all been about false doctrine, camp deception, uh, whether or not we're under the law, and the verses they use to try to twist it. So 
they teach hate for Esau, which I've made sure I want to drive home because there's a lot of people out there. Uh, someone asked me on the uh, messages, why do I teach people to love Esau and not hate Esau? And I pointed out that, you know, it's two commandments. That's, that's what you're supposed to do. And even though I don't teach the law, I know a lot of people are under the deception that they have to follow the law. So I use the law to point out what they have to be doing because at that point, once you give somebody scripture and they claim to follow the law and you give them scripture out of the law, then they have to make a conscious choice to break that law. They have to say, you know what, I'm going to break that law regardless of what it says. I don't care. And then they have to try to find an excuse or they have to try to find Bible verses to let them break laws such as, God hated Esau, so therefore it's it's okay for me to hate Esau. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture says God hated Esau, loved Jacob, but he tells you to love your brother, and he tells you not to abhor, abhor an Edomite. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so we need to understand that before we start latching on the doctrine and saying, okay, we can hate Esau now. Now, they don't show love for many non-Hebrews, which I pointed out, and the exceptions would be those who uh, follow the 12 tribes chart. They do show Love to certain not certain groups of non-Hebrews, and which tells you that they are not loving their neighbor as themselves. It, you can just see it. You can see it by their fruit. Um, and then some of their doctrine leads to blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. About that uh, yesterday, some of the doctrine that they say, okay, this is that like they don't they reject Paul. They reject Paul, and Paul's teachings reflect that of Christ. And not only do they reflect that of Christ, Luke's testimony is that Peter, James, and the other apostles were there when the Holy Spirit came and confirmed Paul. Like, so these, these guys were there. And so for them to say that they reject Paul is rejecting all that testimony and the Holy Spirit and claiming that they know more than the Holy Spirit. Um, so let's go to Matthew chapter 7. And this is what I want to close out with, Matthew chapter 7. Um, let's see, let me pull it up real quick. All right. So I'm going to start at um, Matthew seven thirteen. Uh, actually, seven twelve. It says, "Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets." Right. So treat people how you want to be treated. Love your neighbors yourself. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the path which leadeth unto life everlasting, and few there be that find it. And as I pointed out before, there's um, Eurocentric Christianity. You get out of that, and the first thing people do, in most cases, run to the Hebrew-Israelite camps, only to be deceived by the deceptions that I showed you. And it's important to come out of that, too, and to really get a relationship with Christ. And it says, beware of false prophets, this is verse 15, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. Now, who were the lost sheep of Israel? They were Israelites. Israelites were black people. I'm not saying this only refers to that in that context, but if you think about it, inwardly a ravening wolves. What are the camps trying to do? Bring you into bondage. What does some of their doctrine do? Damns people to hell. So beware of them which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly a ravening wolves. So ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns and figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but the corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, 
Have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will press on, profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work in the city. Now, this is important. Not everyone that says to him, Lord, Lord, is getting to heaven. Ask yourself why that is. He says that um, you know them by their fruit, right? So ask yourself, what's the fruit of the Hebrew Israelite camps? When they're out there teaching hatred for Esau, what's the fruit? Go to James 1 John 4.20. You'll see the fruit of teaching hatred for your brother. The fruit is you don't love God. That's the fruit of that. The fruit of them standing out on that corner preaching hell to every white person that walks by is one that they don't love their neighbor as themselves. Excuse me. So just look at the fruit. Look at the fruit of all their teachings. When they say they reject Paul, what's the fruit of that? They're rejecting what the, whole, the person the Holy Spirit chose. They're rejecting the person the apostles confirmed. They're rejecting the doctrine that Jesus taught because Paul teaches the same doctrine consistently. Uh, as Christ and James and Peter and everyone else. So them rejecting Paul, there's, there's a chain reaction and everything else. So I just wanted to finish this up today, and I hope you guys got something out of it. And, again, for those of you sending me messages on Facebook, I cannot respond to them. I'm not ignoring you. Uh, send me a message on the website, uh, or if you're a patron, send me a uh, message directly to the patron system, Patreon system, and I'll get right back to you as fast as possible. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to leave them on the site. Um, I may have a another one coming for you this weekend. Before the weekend's out, we may have one more podcast coming, holiday weekend. So I've been trying to knock out a whole bunch of stuff I had planned. So, yeah, enjoy the weekend. Uh, be safe. And until next time, I'm out.